0: Good afternoon, it is so good to see you all. Hey, and good afternoon to those of you watching online. So glad that you're with us today. We're in the fifth week of our series, Six Weeks of Purpose. And for the first three weeks of this series, we focused on forming inward purpose. And in week one, we asked questions like, what do I believe? Where do I stand with God? In week two, we talked about moving God to the center, and more specifically, we talked about adjusting priorities and changing habits. In week three, we talked about receiving our gift from the Holy Spirit, and that's when we encouraged everyone to take the Shape Gifts Assessment. Now, for the last three weeks of this series, we're focusing on discovering outward purpose, and last week, we evaluated relationships, and Pastor Dustin talked to us about 10 types of relationships that we need in our life. Five were in person last Sunday, and the other five were released on video. You can access that video, plus the Shape Gifts Assessment, and more resources from this series at citizen.church purpose. Now, I'm not going to tell you about next week. You're just simply going to have to be here for the conclusion of the series. Pastor Dustin will be back in town. He's actually out of town, of course, right now. That's why he's not here with us on a ministry trip with a number of pastors and leaders in Athens, Greece. And I spoke to him earlier in the week, and that trip sounds absolutely unbelievable. But make sure that you join us for the conclusion of this series. Well, Today, as you can see behind me, we're going to have some fun. Is that okay, 1130? Can we have some fun today? All right. Good, because we're going to. I'm banking on you accepting that type of fun. So today, week five of this series, we're talking about learning how to travel in God's will. Learning how to travel in God's will. Essentially, pursuing the will of God is traveling from where we are to are. God wants us. And with any travel comes necessary steps and stops. And if you received your boarding pass when you came in today, a.k.a. your sermon notes, get ready because we're jumping in. (laughs) The first step is this. The first step is knowing that we are going to travel. Knowing that we're going to travel. We have to know that we are going to travel. I love this step because I've grown to love traveling in the sense of exploring. And I say I've grown to love this type of travel because growing up, I didn't travel for the purpose of exploring. I travel for the purpose of seeing family and nothing against my family. I love you. If you're watching online, I absolutely love you. It's just a different kind of travel. I think we can all agree. It's just not the same. Like I've got the Midwest on lockdown. Okay. So like Kansas, North Dakota, all the states in between and whatnot. Like there's only so much exploring when you go to states like this. And so it was Primarily for the purpose of seeing family. Now, my wife and our three kids, we love to travel for the purpose of exploring, seeing different sights and scenes and visiting attractions. And we try to do this as much as possible. And for us, it's not a question of if we'll travel, because we know we are going to travel. And the reality is this we are all quite literally traveling every single day. The Bible says it like this in Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Essentially what this verse is saying is teach us to understand the brevity or the shortness of this life. And with that understanding, let us live wisely. Ephesians chapter 5 takes this thought a little bit further going in to verses 15 and 17, it says this. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but, and here's the part that I really want us to understand today, understand what the Lord's will is. And this is where we wanna go today. Understanding what the Lord's will is by learning how to travel in his will learning how to travel in God's will. And so now that we know that we're gonna travel, the question is then, where are we traveling to? And this leads me to the second step, and that is choosing the destination, God's or our own. Choosing the destination, God's or our own. Now, I wanna be very clear. With this step, I'm talking about our life choice of following God's plans or our own plans. And the reality is God gives us the freedom to choose. In fact, Joshua said this to the Israelites in Joshua 24, 15, you've probably heard this before, maybe it's on a doormat outside your home, says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, with this step, the conversation comes kind of to an end if our destination isn't God's, because there is no seeking his will, since it would ultimately be all about what we want. However, when the destination is God's, it now includes something beyond ourselves, which brings questions, questions between where we are and where God wants us. There's this gap of wondering, okay, I'm here God has a plan for me. How do I get that? I remember taking a mission trip to the Canary Islands, and um, the missionary was driving us to the top of this hill, and it was pretty high up. There was a community at the top, and me and my friend were just kind of talking the whole way up there for the ride. And I don't know if the missionary said at some point, Hey, pay attention, because when we get to the top, you're gonna have to get down. But we get to the top. And we get out of the vehicle, and we're just kind of like, you know, like sitting around. I'm like, okay, is he going to get out of the van? You know, like we're just waiting out there. And he never gets out of the van, and I'm thinking like, okay. And eventually, he rolls down his window. He says, all right, guys, good luck. I'll see you down at the bottom. And we're like, see, and it's just one of those moments where you like look at each other. You ever feel like sometimes like how far do I take this? Do, should I ask the question or should I just act like it'll be fine, we'll figure it out? Well, I quickly just said like, oh, oh, one second. Um, we, you, where's the main road to getting down this thing? He's like, well, We're on the far side here at the top. You're gonna have to work your way over here. And what he wanted us to do was canvas for an event that we were having that evening at the church. So we're gonna pass out these invitations. He said, work your way to the other side here at the top. Then there's one road that gets you down to the bottom. And I can remember canvassing, going around inviting me and my buddy. We passed them all out. And eventually we're facing reality. We're sitting here going like, we have to get down. This is crazy. Where is this one road? And what made it so frustrating is we could come to the edge and we could actually see the church on the main Road, way far down at the bottom. But we had no idea how to get there. We were wondering how on earth do we get there? And I think there's many people that find themselves in life traveling and wondering, I, I, I know, God, you have a plan and a purpose. You have something good for me because you love me. There's something good in store for me but how do I get there? And there's questions that we face, questions sometimes of do I stay here or move there? Do I accept the job or not accept the job? Do I stay in this relationship or not? Do I enter into this relationship or not? Do I do this or do that? We find ourselves with these questions. Now, the questions for God and his will for our life, they actually define the very nature of our relationship with God because of the dependency that we have in him by asking the questions in the first place, so it's actually a good thing. Now, once these steps are understood and lived out, knowing that we're gonna travel and choosing God's destination for our life, it's now time to travel in God's will. In today's transportation method, as you may have already figured out by now, it's not by car, it's not a bike, it's not train, It's not a hot air balloon for those of you in in town for the balloon fiesta. No, today we're traveling by airplane. And this is where I'm gonna need your cooperation here in a moment for some fun. We're traveling by plane today. And the reason why we're traveling by plane is simply because the security checkpoint stops of what most people have to do. Not TSA pre-check people. is similar to that of traveling in God's will. I can remember last year going on a trip with a group of people, and they all had TSA pre-check, and I didn't. And I'm telling you right now, you TSA pre-check people, it's like when you're at the airport, you just think you're above everyone else. I mean, like, we walked in, I can remember, we're like rolling our bags all and we're all walking in together and everything, and I'm like, yeah. And, and, and it was like, at one moment, they just started to like, look down on me. Like, they start using these little things. Like, like hey, bud, hey, sport, hey, champ, hey, pal. Like first off, don't say those things to me. Like, what are you about to say now? Like, hey, 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 hey. Like, talk to you like you're a kid. Like, hey, the grown-ups go over here. You, you, you got to go in line over there. You see that long line? I remember thinking like, psh, psh. so listen, you TSA pre-check people, just act like you know what it's like to have to take your shoes off going through security, removing your iPad or your laptop from your bag, and just kind of enjoy this with us today as we go through these security checkpoints. Now, if we're going to travel by plane, then we might as well have some fun today, and for today only your weekly, normal, amazing auditorium hosts are now your amazing flight attendants. Come on, do me a favor, welcome them down the aisles as they pass out your flight snacks, okay? So they're gonna be passing out your flight snack today and enjoy some flight snacks for the journey today. And if you get some snacks, feel free to enjoy them, open them up, munch on them, Maybe don't be the most aggressive cruncher of all time for your section, but I will promise you this, that I'm gonna be fine. If you choose to snack on these, I'll be good. You're not gonna distract me. We had two other services. We were just fine, okay? So if someone around you chooses to take part in snacking or whatever, don't be too distracted because I'm just gonna keep rolling, okay? But I do have to tell you this, as they continue to pass out these snacks, we're actually not getting on the plane, of course, just having fun, it's obvious. However, we are going to the airport. We do have to go to the airport. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go grab my luggage real quick and then we're gonna be at the airport. (laughs) What? We're here, we're, Albuquerque International Sunport, yes! It's packed, balloon fiesta, oh my goodness! Like, ooh, we're dodging people, ankles, you know, like, oh, like, it's like, oh my goodness, we're here, you feel it, like, you hear this? Oh, airplane, like, we're traveling today. Wow, yes, give yourselves a hand, we're at the airport. Yes, we made it, we made it, so, Here's what we're gonna do. While we're at the airport, we're gonna go through three security checkpoint stops and compare each stop to a security checkpoint question as we travel in God's will. To me, the great paradox of airport security is that it's inconvenient, yet it's necessary. It's inconvenient due to the fact that there's stops, yet it's necessary because it helps keep people safe, and God's will can feel very similar. Inconvenient, due to the fact that it includes more than just ourselves, which can slow us down, yet absolutely necessary, because when we understand God's will, it can drastically, I mean, extremely change our lives forever. And so the first security checkpoint stop is the identification check. The identification check, and the question to ask here is, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? When we come to the identification check, it's important for us to ask the question, what does the Bible say? Practically speaking, when you're at the airport, the first security checkpoint stop of the identification check is important because TSA wants to know, are you who you say you are? Are you an imposter? Are you trying to be someone you're not? If so, why, and what exactly are you up to? In fact. When TSA scans your identification, it then cross-references all the details of your flight or flights for that day. Essentially, they want to know, are you who you say you are, first and foremost, as it lines up with your identification? But also, they're verifying, does your identification match with your destination? Does it match, or is there a mismatch? James chapter one, verses 22 through 24, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. In other words, don't only hear the words of God. It says, do what it says. For when you only listen and do not do what it says, you're like a person who looks in the mirror, sees their reflection, sees their face, walks away and immediately forgets what they look like. See, God's word has something to say about your identification, and it also has something to say about your destination, where you can go. However, when you do not live out what God's word says, there becomes a mismatch. There's a mismatch between identification and destination. See, God wants to speak to you about you and the potential of where you can go according to his plans, his will, his promises. But when we don't live out what God's word says, there's a mismatch. Jesus, he quotes the prophet Isaiah to the Pharisees in saying this, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. There was a mismatch between who they claimed to be with their identity and yet where they were going and all that God had for them. They seemed to just be about talk and understanding and being a listener or a reader, but not doing and living out what God's word says. There was a mismatch. And when it comes to who we are, Ephesians spells it out very clearly in chapter 2, verse 10. It says this, for we are his workmanship. His own masterwork, a work of art created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which He set so that we could walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us. God prearranged for us a destiny, a path and a purpose, but in his love, he doesn't force us into this, because if he did, that would not be love, by not giving us the opportunity to respond to him in love. Enforced love is fake love, and so that's the identification check, but what's the importance of asking the question, what does the Bible say? And I think it's important for us, if we're gonna ask this question about what the Bible says, we need to understand what the Bible is for, and of course, we're gonna look in the Bible to get this answer and not somewhere else. It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. So to summarize, the Bible is for instruction, convicting, correction, and training. But why? So that we can be well-rounded and able to live out our faith according to God's will so that we can not only be just great hearers or readers of the word, but that so that we can live out God's word in our daily lives. It's important for us to understand what does the Bible say? And when it comes to God's will and what the Bible says, there's two things that we need to get. There are precepts and there are principles. Precepts and principles. Precepts are clearly marked statements got a few examples, this first one from 1 Thessalonians 4.3, it says this, and this is what you'll understand, a clearly marked statement, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, another one says this, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Another one, it's not on the screen, but it's from 2 Corinthians 6.14. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. I mean, it's clear cut. It says this. And being yoked together with unbelievers is not just talking about a dating relationship. It's about friendship. And when I say about friendship, it's not saying that you cannot have unbelievers as friends, but it is saying that you should be the one as a believer pouring into those unbelievers, encouraging them, helping lift them up, not the other way around. It's essentially the traffic sign that says this, speed limit 35. Like, it's clear. What is speedy? Anything over 35. It's the precepts. It's this clearly understood sign of what's being said. The next one is principles. These are general guidelines that require discernment and maturity if we are to grasp them. An example from Philippians 4, 7, it says, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. In this example, it takes some spiritual maturity and understanding that God's peace is different than the world's peace. I mean, they're two extremely different things because God's peace is not based on positive thinking, lack of conflict, or just good feelings. God's peace is found in trusting, that he's in control and we aren't. And I'll be honest with you. It's very easy to say that. It's more difficult to live that. But the peace is found in knowing that we're not the ones in control. God is in control. So we trust him. And as we trust him, we discover the peace the more and more we do this in knowing that his ways are higher than our ways. And this is essentially the sign that says, drive carefully. Drive carefully. It's... Kind of open for interpretation, and I know some of you, your definition of drive carefully, is extremely different than mine. Because I've driven with some of you before. In fact, I remember driving to the Jemez Mountains. We were gonna go fly fishing. Me and someone from our church, who I won't name, Bill Dunn, and um, like I can remember, we were heading up the mountain, and like we were going so fast. Like I can remember looking down, seeing the edge of this dirt road going up the mountain, seeing the trees thousands of feet below, and just thinking like, "Hi, trees. I'll see you in a little bit probably. <laughs> like this is terrible, I'm gonna die. And I remember thinking like I, think I, I, like, I genuinely was scared as this person was driving up this mountain at this rate of speed. And, and, and I had this thought like, I need to call my family. I need to talk to them. <laughs> was the last thing I said to my kids and I remembered it was like boys stop throwing cereal at each other just eat you know it's like it's not a good way to go out so I'm trying to think like I got to call my family tell them I love them I looked down at my phone no cell service (laughs) terrible and so then I begin to think like how do I tell him I don't feel safe at all without being like offensive you know I didn't want to say like hey can you slow down you know (laughs) like hey man so all I could muster up after five minutes of thinking was Hey, you, uh, you, you drive this road quite a bit, huh? Pretty comfortable, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like the most passive-aggressive way of saying, like, hey, could you slow down a little bit? You know, I was like, just, hey, you, you're pretty familiar with this. We're going pretty quick, you know? Like, nothing changed. Continue to go fast. And I was just like, oh, gosh. Like, oh, geez, we are going to. You see, for some people, driving careful could mean 75 miles per hour on a clear, uncongested road or Maybe it's below 10 miles an hour on an icy curved turn or whatever, and it's just open for interpretation. It's different things to different people. But here's what I'm learning. It's always wise to consult scripture as your first security checkpoint stop, because as Psalm one nineteen one o five 105 says, his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. See, there might be times in this gap, the in-between of where we are and where God wants us where we feel like it's dark, it's hazy, we don't understand what's happening. But God's word is there to be a lamp to our feet and to light up our path so that we can have clarity. But we don't have that clarity, we don't have that light if we're simply not in his word. So that first security checkpoint stop, it's important for us to know the importance of being in God's word. The second security checkpoint stop is the baggage scanner, the baggage scanner. And every single day, TSA scans 5.5 million bags, 5.5 million bags every single day. And if something doesn't look right, it's removed. If it's bad enough, we're not traveling. You see, the question to ask at this stop is, what does the Holy Spirit say? What does the Holy Spirit say? The Holy Spirit wants to take a deeper dive into our life. And there's some things that as we go through the baggage scanner, we might know it's there. But the Holy Spirit needs to deal with it. The Holy Spirit is pointing out some things. The Holy Spirit will point out what needs to be removed in our life. The Holy Spirit will point out where we don't need to go. In fact, one of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit convicts. And convicts it simply just means this: to convince, to expose, or to cross-examine. John sixteen eight it says this: and when the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. I, I want to clear this up. Sometimes people can hear this as a bad thing, but it's actually a very good thing. In fact. Before this verse, Jesus said to the disciples that it's for your advantage that I go away. I mean, think about how important the Holy Spirit is. For Jesus to say this to the disciples who he spent the last three years with, I mean, every single day performing miracles, the disciples had seen great things from Jesus. It would be so easy to just think, just stay with us. What are you talking about? Jesus goes as far as to talk about the Holy Spirit and saying, it's better if I go. It's better if I go, why? Because if I don't go, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come. The Holy Spirit, it provides the nudge that we need in order to prevent us from traveling or continuing to travel, and that which separates us from God, known as sin. The Holy Spirit's a good thing. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. But there's another C word that's from the enemy, Satan, and that word is condemnation. And I wanna clear this up. Condemnation, it comes from Satan, and it brings shame by reminding us of our wrongs. But Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin by reminding us of our righteousness, being made right in Christ. It's it's, it's actually a good thing. Condemnation, though, can feel like a cloud of shame hanging over our entire being that we can't even explain. Condemnation, it's vague, hateful, And hopeless. But conviction is specific, helpful, and loving. Condemnation is meant to hold you down and feeling so bad about yourself that you feel like you shouldn't even move on, that you couldn't even move on, and that you should probably just give up. But conviction is hopeful, speaking to your future. Yes, I know you've fallen. This should be removed from your life. But get back up because you're made right in Christ. Your righteousness is in me. That's conviction. It's something that's forward thinking. Get back up. I know you've fallen, and we want to get past this. But I want to help you to understand that you can get up and move forward and keep going. Some examples of the Holy Spirit's conviction could be things like this. You can't take that addiction into a marriage. You can't behave this way and move across the country. You need to deal with that insecurity before you start dating someone. Unless you fix that unhealthy pattern and behavior, you're only gonna hurt someone else. Unless you forgive that person in your past, I won't let you walk into my future. The Holy Spirit offers a deeper check into our souls and says things like, that doesn't belong. That needs to be moved cannot keep moving forward. And guess what, that's for our well-being and for those around us. I can remember a time when I went deep sea diving for the first time, and the instructor was verbally going over everything that we needed to do in order to have a successful dive. And he's verbally going over it all, and there's other people on the boat that we don't know. There's a group of me and my friends and other people, and at one point, the instructor, he says this to us. He says, all right, you guys are good to go. I'm gonna go help these other people. Go ahead and jump in the water did one of those like quick stops, you know, like from the missionary earlier story. Like, oh, nope, hold on, you know, uh, we're, we're not gonna go in without you, right? He said, no, I'm just joking. I'm gonna jump in with you. It was important for me to know that though, why? Because if I would have jumped in that water, I probably would have done things that I should not do, and I probably wouldn't have done things that I should have done. Here's what I know. The Holy Spirit, at the moment of salvation, comes into our life, and he stays with us, though. I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit doesn't just come into our life at the moment of salvation and then just say, all right, I'll see you later. No, he stays with us, continuing to mold us, shape us, and prune out that which does not belong. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit that he continues to stay with us with us, I heard a pastor say this, one of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit is to put a Holy Spirit inside of you. For us to have a spirit that's holy, it's important that we're asking the question, what does the Holy Spirit say? And the third security checkpoint stop is the body scanner, the body scanner. And it's important for us to ask this question here, what does godly counsel say? What does godly counsel say? What do the godly people around me say? If we make it to this security checkpoint stop, most of the time if we have something on us that does not belong on us, it's because we've forgotten that it's there. Like we didn't realize it. It's like empty out your pockets, you know, they're super intense, like everything, you're just like questioning everything, like oh geez, you know, like, and they're like empty it all, and sometimes you go through and it's like oh, what what happened, you know, you gotta go back, and they're reminding you of whatever it is you still have on you, but it's the things that we forget that we don't realize are still on us. We just went this past week um, to the Bloom Fiesta, actually, and I can remember I got through and I was waiting on my family to come through the body scanner, but I kept hearing like this beeping for one individual, and I was just intrigued. You know, I, I love the people watch, okay? All up in the business wondering, like, what's happening here, you know? And, and they kept going, kept trying over and over, probably like eight different times, tried to go through the body scanner and was unsuccessful. So I'm just intrigued. Like, and, and he has a big jacket, like lots of shirts, you know, it's like so cold, always like more than what you think it feels like. So lots of layers, and so they're checking everything, and finally this person just says, Do you have a belt on? And he goes, oh, yeah, forgot. It was, the, it was the thing that completely forgot about. Most of the time, that's how it happens. And the question of asking what does godly counsel say is for our purpose, because it's the things that we don't always know about, we don't always see as we go through this life. It's the things that we're missing we don't have a good perspective on. And it's important for us to have godly counsel, to have healthy community in our life because they can point out things that we can't even see. When it feels like we're looking straight, there's a peripheral, and they're gonna be the ones that help clear that peripheral side up to say, let me tell you with clarity, this is what I see in your life. This is what's going on. This is where you need to grow. This is where maybe you need to ask some more questions. And it's so important for us to continue asking What does godly counsel say? And a lot of people, they say they want godly counsel, but they also kind of don't. I mean, if you think about this, you've already made it through two security checkpoint stops, and this is the last one. Most of the time when you make it here, your mind is already set on go, like I'm going to move forward with what it is that I wanna do and where it is that I wanna go. So it's difficult to have this as the last security checkpoint stop. And you might even be able to sneak through the identification check by twisting scriptures a little bit to have it say exactly what you want it to say. You might be able to get the bags through the baggage scanner by claiming that you heard from God about the decision. You might even be able to sneak through the body scanner by asking any Christian with little investment into your life just to get their stamp of approval on something. We do this sometimes. I'm guilty where there's times where I feel like, hey, God's word it's not saying anything against this. It lines up, and, and the Holy Spirit has spoken to me. It's fine, you know, and, and, but then I'll say, I'll just try to get some godly counsel and just ask someone who doesn't really know me that well, and just to get that, sounds good to me. So, hey, that seems right to me, when really we need to be asking people who know us the most People who know everything and what's going on, the things that we deal with, the things only they know about, we need that godly counsel in our life. Proverbs 12, 15, it says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to counsel. When we think we're right, sometimes we're being foolish, and what solves the foolishness is wise, godly counsel. Proverbs 15.22, it says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So the question is, do you have godly counsel in your life? Do you have someone involved? And for some of you, it could be no, simply because you're new in your faith And you haven't gotten that yet. And I wanna encourage you, get involved. Our church makes lots of opportunities for you to have godly counsel and community, whether it be through small groups, alpha groups, Flourish coming up, men, men's breakfast, whatever it might be, you can go online, find community. Of course, you can be faithful to God's house and find community every single week. We know it's important and we believe it's something we need. For some of you, you don't have it because you've chosen simply to not have it because you don't want anything preventing you from doing what it is that you wanna do or going where it is that you want to go. But here's what I wanna tell you. The same people that won't let you go through causing risk to yourself or others are the same people that will care for you and protect you when you're in harm's way. The same people that you sometimes think are just out to get you, you feel like they're too tough on you. It's like, man, why is it, you know, like... When we get here, you ask me these hard questions. And if I'm being very honest, sometimes we just get a little bit childish in our faith at this point. Like my kids say this to me, like, Dad, do we have to do this? Do we have to pick this up? Why do you ask us to do this every morning and pick up and all these things? Why do we have to do it? I know why I ask them to do it, because I love them, I care for them, I want the best for them, and their future. And sometimes we just think, well, I don't, this is too tough, like you're making it too tough. No, God cares for you. And the godly counsel, they care for you. They'll be there to protect you when you're in harm's way. Let me ask you like this. Who do you have in your life that can tell you no? Who do you have in your life that says, that's not lined up. Let me ask you a few more questions. And maybe, sometimes it's not always a no, but as they ask you questions, you get this revelation or this thought of, maybe it's just not right now. It's not the right timing for now. And thank God for godly Counsel. Godly counsel can be parents, guardians, or other relatives, pastors, mentors, ministry leaders, and friends. And if you make it through all three security checkpoint stops and you still find yourself with options, great. I believe that God would say to you, What do you want? What is it that you want? You've gone and you've been in my word, you're in tune to what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you, and you have godly counsel investing into you. What is it that you want? I can remember traveling with a friend about six years ago, and this friend of mine, he traveled often, and came into the airport. We're doing normal security, not TSA pre-check, both of us, and we get to the point where we're done, and you know we're tying our shoes and all that, and I lean over and say to him, hey, I'm, I'm surprised you don't have TSA pre-check. Like, with as often as you travel, I'm just kind of surprised, and he said, well, I've just been doing it so long, I don't have anything against it. I might eventually have TSA pre-checked, but I've just been doing this. It's just, it's normal, it's not that tough for me. It's what I started out doing, I'm just kinda fine with it for now. And then we board the plane, we're on the flight, and we flew from New York City to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and for the last 15 minutes, we had some turbulence. And normally, I'm fine with turbulence, but for whatever reason, this one kinda got me, I guess, because like I was visibly looking a little shaken up or whatever. And my friend turns to me and he says, hey, turbulence is completely normal. This aircraft is built for extreme turbulence. They all are, and I wanna let you know it's just kind of this hot air, cool air, and this, you know, the different air temperatures and altitudes and all of that. it's, It's normal. It's not anything to be afraid of. And in both instances, going through security and the turbulence, he just had this attitude of him that just said, this is normal. And I wanna tell you, You might be going through something right now in a season of life where it just feels like there is turbulence, like you're unsure, it seems rocky, it's shaky, and you're wondering, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? How come you're not speaking? God, speak to me. But here's what I know, that traveling, learning to travel in God's will is best when we do it on a day-to-day basis. That it's not just something we do because we come up with something and we're in this place of wondering, okay, what do I do now, and then we kind of go away and then we come back and we're like, okay, let me go through the three security checkpoint stops. No, 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 no. It's just normal, as my friend would say, like this is what I do when I travel. This is what it's like, and as we live for God, it's this is what it's like being in His Word, being in tune to the Holy Spirit's voice having godly counsel in our life on a day-to-day basis. In his book, Follow Me, David Platt writes this, what if God the Father has not sent his children on a cosmic Easter egg hunt to discover his will while he sits back in heaven saying, you're getting colder, warmer, colder, and what if searching for God's will like this actually misses the entire point of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus? Goes on to say, as followers of Jesus, our lives are subsumed in his life and our ways are totally surrendered to his will. His ultimate concern is not to get you or me from point A to point B along the listen, the quickest, easiest, smoothest, clearest route possible. Instead, his ultimate concern is that you and I would know him deeply as we trust him more completely. The security checkpoint stops are necessary in traveling in God's will. But the ultimate goal is to live in this, to constantly be in tune with his word, the Holy Spirit, and godly counsel. Because the best way to know God's will is by traveling with God daily. Why? Because the godlier we become, the godlier decisions that we'll make. God wants to speak to you, wants to say something to you. It's time to tune out the distractions, the loud voices that are trying to enter. Get into his word. Listen to what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you and get godly counsel in your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for you that you love us so much. You have a plan for us and a destiny for our lives. Jesus, I pray that you'd speak to us, that we would know you more intimately that we would be in your word, Father, that we would listen to your voice. We'd have people speaking into our lives, godly community that can help grow us, shape us, and not just hearing what we wanna hear, but what we need to hear. Father, we love you, and we're so grateful for you and your word. It's in your name we pray, amen.